Hello, and welcome to another Talking Tropes mini. Uh, I'm David. And I'm Hannah. And today we're going to talk about season two of Kipo and the Age of Wonder Beasts. What, what? Yeah, I, I mean, not all of the minis have to be Netflix uh, animated shows, <laughs> but uh, but this is another one. Um, and it also happens to have the, the voice actor for Glimmer in the starring role as <laughs> yes. uh, Kipo, Kipo in the Age of Wonder Beasts. Yeah. Uh, based on a webcomic made by an animator sort of as a pitch, but then that webcomic got deleted from all of existence um, <laughs> to, I guess, make room for it, because DreamWorks is like, no, this is a totally original property. There was no so Shrek original. novel. There is no, <laughs> you know, original Kipo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I mean, sad about the webcomic, but I'm so happy that this show exists because it's truly delightful. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, this show is very different from a lot of the other, um, Netflix animated shows. It, it seems to have a much higher budget than, uh, than She-Ra. Yeah, um, certainly. A much more distinctive style than Voltron, um, just a lot of really interesting, fun characters. It feels more kid-friendly, I think, than uh, a lot of the shows, which seem to be more aimed at like a teen or young adult audience. Um, and I think most interestingly about this one is the... Uh, are you being distracted by something? Nope, I'm sorry, it's just the rain is so loud right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the mic is picking it up, if that, I mean, uh, if that helps. It it might not be on the the call, but it definitely is on my audacity. But that's fine. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's raining in New York City. <laughs> it's loud. <laughs> this weather report brought to you by Talking Tropes Mini. Um, <laughs> uh, well, but anyway, the most important uh, element I think is the the music, and this is the yeah. only animated show on Netflix that I think really has a strong musical identity. Oh, absolutely. I, I agree with that 100%. Um, this this show, both the diegetic music and the non-diegetic music is just, like, absolutely amazing. Uh, you know, like, yeah. the, the soundtrack to it includes both sort of uh, musical numbers performed by the characters uh, and also just, like, sick fucking like hip-hop beats that are just like going off in the background like it it truly is uh probably one of the best scored pieces of children's media uh in in recent history i mean an obvious point of comparison with a show that we've uh, talked about a lot in minis is uh steven universe yeah which has more of a light fluffy bit tunes kind of feel a lot of show tuney elements yeah um, whereas this is, it, it feels much more defined by musical genres that are popular, you know, like <laughs> pop music, I guess, uh, and, and, and hip hop and that's cool. Yeah. Like, like definitely musical genres, um, you know, created by and created for people of color. Um, and, and that's what a lot of this show feels like. It features a predominantly, uh, like black and POC cast, um, you know, right. it's, it's, I got... mean, one of them's pink, but, uh, <laughs> but she's got know, a black she's... dad and an Asian mom. So definitely not well, white. There you go. You know? <laughs> yep. Um, but I think, I think that is an interesting conversation to have at, at some other point 
is, uh, you know, <laughs> multicolored just uh, uh, or technicolor characters and, sure. and race or something. Yeah. You know, is is a multiracial character more palatable to an audience if they are pink green <laughs> or some other variety of, of color not found in humans? Right, right. Well, so uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Kipo is about uh, its titular character, a young girl who lives in a sort of post-apocalyptic future where animals have mutated into either very hyper-intelligent beings or just giant, crazy versions of themselves, and they're called mutes within the show. But as you go through it, I think you find that even the you know the giant ones or the ones that seem mindless or the ones that can't talk are also still much more intelligent than yeah. your average animal friend. For sure, for sure. Um, but some of them are literally <laughs> capable of, like, human speech and others are not. Right. Um, anyway, <laughs> the, uh, uh, so Kipo and, and all of humanity spend their life living uh, in, like, human clans underground called burrows. Um, and in season one, Kipo gets thrust onto the surface and sort of gains some friends um, to try to find her family again. Um, and so she finds Benson, who is a, a kid who's about her age, um, and yeah, he's Dave. He's a surface kid. He's, he's always lived on the kid. surface. And he's, he's cool. He scavenges. He's a scavenger yeah. type. And he's got a best friend who's a mute named Dave. Dave's great. Uh, and Dave's great. He's a bug. <laughs> I, I love his ability. I, I think yeah. it's so creative. He is a bug, so he goes through different stages of pupation. <laughs> Or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and he turns into a baby, a teenager, an old guy, a super-powered guy. Uh, but he can only hold each form for, like, a couple hours tops. Tops. Um, yeah, sometimes he'll go through the whole cycle in, like, seconds. It's a great joke. Uh, but he's he's essentially immortal, is yeah. cool, which is cool. He can, you know, never die, but he's pretty much useless, which I love <laughs> characters like that. Yeah, um, Dave is great. Um, and then we also get Wolf, who's a little surface girl uh, who has a tragic backstory and is very kick-ass and is sort of the muscle of the group. Right. Definitely the muscle. Yeah. Uh, definitely the serious one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and of course, yeah, like all of the conflicts come from, yeah, Kipo wants to do things the amicable, friendly, compassionate way and always see the best in people. Very pacifist. Right. And she's an optimist. Yeah. And Wolf is the pessimist. We have to do things pragmatically. We have to, you know, fear all outsiders, fear all mutes. And there's kind of a, a, a bias and, and bigotry angle to that. Um, yeah. And then Benson is sort of the mediator, the uh, the happy-go-lucky chum. Right. I would say he's he's the realist. He's the realist, you know? Like, he, he's like... Okay, yeah. He's the, uh, the balance, yeah. He, he's there. He wants to have fun and have a good time, which, like, appeals to Kipo, but he's also like, I've lived on the surface. I know it's dangerous and will, like, back Wolf up uh, if, if he thinks a situation is gonna get out of control. Um, but so, at the climax of season one, at the end, they manage to make it back to Kipo's burrow, only for the antagonist of the series so far, a uh, monkey named Scarlemagne. Uh, mandrill. Oh, excuse he's a, me. He's a mandrill. Specific kind of <laughs> monkey called a mandrill. Um, yeah. 
he uh, swoops in and captures everyone, including Kipo's dad. Uh, but as this happens, Kipo discovers that she's part mute. Whoa! She's pink yes. because she's part jaguar, apparently. Not just as not just as a creative design choice. Yeah. Which kind of makes you wonder, like, why they didn't immediately identify her as a mute. Maybe they just assume that. Sometimes people are pink, pink yeah, uh, and have pink eyes and pink hair. Uh, yeah, but hey, you know they're they're not judging until they see that she has fur. fur yeah, and she's a furry. Um, <laughs> a lot of furries, a lot of cat girls on uh, you know on on Netflix animated shows. Maybe that's some kind of trend. I mean, I <laughs> that think needs that's to be discussed. maybe that's just anime, though, man. Like, it's nothing but cat girls, right? But obviously, American animation and and Western animation and uh, has have adopted a lot of these anime tropes. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. This was animated by I think a Korean animation studio as well, like uh, like Voltron mm. and. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> so I mean, what do you, what do you? What do you really find interesting and and what what really attracts you to this show as opposed to some of the other Netflix fare? Yeah, I mean, I I would definitely agree with you that the music certainly sets it apart. It just sort of feels so wholly original, which is also nice. Like, you know, it is based on a webcomic, but it's a webcomic that was relatively unknown to like a white kind of American audience um at least like I don't I don't know of a lot of people who are like big fans of no this. I mean it was it was pretty underground but yeah. the, the point was like it was basically done I think as a pitch it was a guy you know he's a former animator coming off of uh you know some shows and some movies that he'd been working on decided to put together a web comic and then Immediately, DreamWorks is like, all right, we'll produce. <laughs> so I think it was it was one of those things where it, it came out of a desire to pitch something, right? Um, and and animated is is where it was always going to end up going. Totally, totally. But but I think because of that, it's so original. You know, like Shira, as a much originality was brought to the remake. You know, is still based on an older property, and you know, right. Voltron, same thing. You know, um, and like this, it's like the character designs are so unique. I've never seen characters that that look exactly like this or talk exactly like this. Um, the music entirely sets it apart. Um, and the world itself is just really fun. Like this post-apocalyptic kind of adventure world with giant animals and like huge plants. Yeah. Like it's it's just a fun world to kind of exist in, I think too. Right. You know, it, like, it feels pretty eclectic and, and, and you know, not very cohesive at, at times. Yeah. You know, the fact that it's like Sometimes I find myself when I'm watching the show saying, like, pick a lane. Like, either there's big animals, there's smart animals, or there's, like, you know, puns. Like, the timber cats. You know, they're timber, they're lumberjacks, but they're cats. Yeah. It's like, you can't have puns and then have, like, regular mutated animals. But, of course you can. But I just, I find the... I find the, you know, the curmudgeon in me occasionally going like, this is too random. That's the thing, though. At least for me, this show just obliterates my inner curmudgeon, you know? Like, it's so 
joyful and creative that it makes me just sort of feel like a kid again sometimes watching it um which is i think what what we want when we're we're diving into this kind of media yeah i i agree and i think you know that each of the animals have these really uh defined like niches in this world and that it doesn't really it doesn't really make sense as a like world building kind of thing but it makes sense from the perspective of this is an interesting episode to to write about. Right, you know? and it's a fun adventure to go on. Right. So so season two, so season one, I would say tons of fun, lots of musical numbers. We're really being introduced to the world. Season two, which just premiered on Netflix, um, we're we're diving a little bit deeper into Kipo's backstory. Um, we're getting some backstory on the villains as well. Um, right. and we're, it's, it's a little more serious when you say than, than the first season. Yeah. I think like most season twos on, on, uh, on Netflix animated shows, yeah. uh, the goal is, all right, we've established the characters, we've established their fears and their relationships and they're all good friends now. Yeah. So now we need to introduce the major threats. We need to do the, uh, the big overarching story. Uh, and we need to reveal basically all the backstory, which I think if there's one thing that disappointed me about this season is just how freely it gives you information as opposed to dangling a little carrot uh, for, for future seasons. Okay. Uh, did you feel that way? Um, I mean, I would say yes, and that I felt like some of the explanations we got were a little bit info dumpy um, and felt maybe a little bit rushed. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't mind like a, a sort of quick resolution to some of these plots. Um, and in fact, I find it slightly refreshing, um, especially compared to, you know, some cartoons of the past that have decided to drag these things out for season after season after season. And we're like, just answer the question. <laughs> like my patience only goes so far adventure time, you know, like, <laughs> It is, right, it I think it's obvious that we're alluding to Adventure Time as as a contrast. But I mean, uh, I would even that, say Steven and, and Universe, Steven Universe too. to some extent. Yeah, yeah. But uh, honestly, I really like that mode of storytelling, mm. uh, and I think it's more uh, adultish. I don't know. That might be very, eh, you know, I disagree. Restrictive. But but I mean, I think that just the idea that basically as soon as a question is raised in the next couple episodes, we're going to get a pretty definitive answer to it is a little bit. Uh, it, it makes it a little bit difficult to keep my uh, my excitement going. I think uh, that's through, fair. Through the season, I think that's fair. Um, right. So we find out in this season, you know, everything about where Kipo comes from, what her yeah. background is, where her mother is, uh, what uh, the villain's backstory is, how it relates to the hero. We find out uh, what Kipo needs to do to unlock her secret powers, and then she does. And uh, she saves everybody, but, you know, there's still challenges for the future. But, you know, everything basically feels wrapped up and resolved for what season two is. So it makes me feel like at some point in development, somebody said, this is going to be the last one. I know. I'm, very, I'm kind of worried. But it ends on a cliffhanger again. Right. Know? So it's, of course, not going to be the last yeah. one. But I think... Maybe at the beginning they weren't so sure, or it was hanging on by a thread until fan responses sort of 
made people more excited. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, and I also, I do also think that, um, yeah, and, you know, as far as, like, fan response goes, I feel like the fan response to Kipo has been very muted. Muted. Ah, ha, 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 but I'm so, like, people I know who have watched it, everyone loves it. But I feel like because it wasn't based on an already popular franchise, there has been people right. have been a little bit slower to come to it um, and maybe mm-hmm. slower than the creators themselves wanted. Um, but I'm sure. I mean, I'm yeah, sure they wanted yeah. it to blow up. I mean, right. Shira, I really felt like it blew up. Voltron, I felt like it blew up, oh, even yeah. though I didn't like it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, and right. you know, obviously, all the Cartoon Network shows have that built-in popularity because they're on Cartoon Network, right? Exactly. They're supported by a huge channel, yeah, it's a monolith, right? Uh, but yeah, I think I think Kipo has sort of struggled to find notoriety, and hopefully, you know, we're doing our very very small part to encourage our friends and yes. listeners to watch. Like- I, I cannot recommend watching this show enough. If you are looking for something great with a great like group dynamic, similar to Avatar, um, a fun adventure story, kind of similar to Steven Universe or Adventure Time, like this is the show for you, you know. And and it's a, it's emotional. It gets emotional too if if that's your thing as well. Um, again, yeah, also I, great rep just across the board, POC, queer rep, like it's all over the place. It's wonderful. Right. I, I, I wonder to what extent, you know, I am always trying to see into the future, but yeah. I'm not a prognosticator. Uh, <laughs> you're not, I'm always curious how like treatments of, you know, LGBT representation are going to be looked back upon, um, mm. because, there so often is just you know a token character or just a few characters and they're they're like their uh sexuality is as often so foregrounded in their right. characterization benson is introduced and we get to know him and like him as a character way before we find out that he happens to be gay right um and the way that that's handled is kind of like the uh, the the Stranger Things model in season two, which people hated. Um, oh, you mean in season three? Or season three? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I'm whatever. I forget how many of those things there are. Did people hate it? Because I saw a lot of positive feedback on. Oh, I, I don't know. I just I saw one negative thing, and of course okay. I assume that's how everybody feels. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know th- th- what I mean by that is that Kipo starts to have a crush on Benson and then is like, Hey Benson, we should go out on a date. Is this a date? And he's like, Oh, I don't, I don't like you that way. And she's like, okay, I understand. <laughs> right. I'm gay. And she's like, Oh, okay. I get, Oh, I thought that you didn't like me, but now I understand that it's not me. It's your gayness. Um, which I, I don't know how that will be looked back upon in, you know, 10, 15 years as, a way of, you know, having a character come out, um, you know, is it too, whatever, is it too on the nose, I guess, that, like, every character needs to be seen as a a romantic interest for the lead first, and then they can come out as gay? 
okay. I, I sort of see what you mean. Um, though, you know, I will say in season two, Benson gets a very cute little romance as a, a side plot that I'm right. a big but fan But it is of. very much a side plot. Yeah, and but like, that that's fine. that character is very, very loosely characterized, let's say. Sure. mainly cute. That's fine. That How is many his main defining characteristics? There are so many second character, like side character romances where you know, like Benson's not the main character. It's not his story. Of course, yeah. I wouldn't judge him more than I would another side character romance. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, it is the only romance in the show. Yeah. And so and it, it is, is kind of romance. foregrounded for romance, which is uh, which is nice. But it is with a character who is uh, just the hot pancake guy <laughs> or whatever. Don't David, don't we all just want the hot pancake guy? You know, yes. what, what more can anyone ask for, especially in these trying times? Waffles? I don't know. <laughs> now you're just talking crazy. Who's got the money for a <laughs> waffle iron, David? We're in a pandemic. <laughs> uh, speaking of pandemics, I think that the idea of so many children shows being fixated on apocalypses and post-apocalypses is... And revolution. And revolution, but not so much in this one, I don't think. It's, it's not much of a revolution, exactly. Well, we'll uh, see. It's more of just... It's more of just, you're under arrest... King, which I guess is like a coup or something. Yeah. Uh, but he doesn't put up much of a uh, much of a fight. He basically just tries to just just kill all of his subjects, and so we arrest him. Right. But I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like season three uh, with our new villain who's been introduced, right. we'll get a little bit more into that territory and right. deal with human prejudice. Uh, a little oh, bit more. Yeah, that's true. Human prejudice of of mutes. Yeah. Uh, but but of course that's not a revolution either. You know that's true. that's, that's uh, you know there's nothing to revolt against yet. It's still chaos in yeah. this post apocalyptic world. It's not like in Adventure Time where you have all these kingdoms that have arisen, mm-hmm. and it's not like uh, Steven Universe where you're fighting against a galactic empire, right? Or or, or Shira, which was also a galactic, galactic empire. empire. Lots of galactic or Voltron, galactic empire again. Lots of galactic <laughs> empires, which are really easy to fight against because you can situate your group as a pair of rebels just going off in the world. But if everything's already sort of anarchic and crazy, like maybe the hero of that story is a great uniter, uh, yeah. conqueror figure. <laughs> but this is this show is of course questioning that that it's right. not about it's not necessarily about uh unifying everyone under a single government. Right. Uh cuz that makes you kind of a a tyrant. Yeah. I I think I think Scarlamane is actually a lot like uh Kuvira <laughs> in, in a lot of ways. Yeah, I he's a more interesting Other than being Kuvira. a mandrill. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so so this season, so we find out Kipo's backstory. Should we spoil it? Should we go in and tell everyone? All right, yeah, spoilers from here on out. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this is this is the one where we find out that uh, Kipo was an experiment. Um, right. <laughs> and that... I don't really feel too great about that, that his, her parents experimented on their fetus... 
in order to turn her into a mutant, which was a very risky and dangerous procedure that their child could not possibly consent to. Right. Well, yeah. And I mean, it was also, the idea was to create a new kind of human-mute hybrid to bring the two worlds closer together. Um, Right. Because their job was to just reverse the mutagen and save the world from mutants by eliminating them and turning them all back into normal animals. Right. But... Instead, they decided, look, it's actually a good thing that animals have become hyper-intelligent. Yeah. That's a kind of a cool thing. Robbing someone of their sapience is like... Fucked up. Dick move. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so instead, we should be learning to be more like them, be more resilient, um, which in a Spider-Man movie would make you a villain because you're meddling with forces you don't understand or right. something. Right. But in this, you're a hero because you're experimenting on your child to turn them into a Jesus figure. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely complicated. Um, like I, I you right, know, but the I show think doesn't complicate it. I think it does. You're right. You're right. It's it's mostly played as this is a good thing and this is just like why Kipo exists. But you like, right. I mean, Kipo finds out about it and, and is not even the least bit critical. It's just like. Oh, cool! I was designed to bring peace to the world with my amazing mutant powers. It's right. great that my parents experimented on me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then we also find out that Scarlamane, the bad guy, was also part of these experiments. And the right. the parents were, um, you know, also thought of him as sort of their child that they cared for. Right. Uh, but when sort of shit hit the fan... And um, they were sort of found out for all of the bad stuff that they did. Um, and Kipo's mom also developed mutant powers by carrying Kipo. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. I'll no, yeah, it. it's fine. Pregnancy is weird, man. Um, but so, you know, so both of them are now mutants. Um, and so they try to escape. Uh, and they have to leave Dave behind. Is it Dave? Is that the name of the monkey? Or Hugo? Hugo. Hugo. Dave, Dave is the bug. Dave is the bug, yes. Hugo is uh, the name of the monkey. Right. But it's like, did he have to leave him behind? Maybe he's partially to blame for this monkey's abandonment issues. Right. And then the monkey was obsessed with historical, uh, you know, conquerors and, and kings, which is why he names himself after Charlemagne, who famously... Uh, conquered and united France and is kind of like their big foundational figure and their, you know, conqueror king guy. I I don't know. I just, I was expecting there to be more of a philosophical discussion in this show of, like, anarchy and anarcho, you know, anarcho-syndicalism, like, people forming individual self-sufficient communities versus... The idea of having, you know, the social contract, which is kind of what's being alluded to with the idea of, like, you need to give the people a choice before you become their king. Um, Right. (laughs) Yeah, it's like a weird thing where it's like, he doesn't need to get everyone's consent, but he needs, like, some kind of mandate of the mutes to be king of the mutes. Right. And, you know, he, he sort of plays on a lot of xenophobic fears, like we're, it's us against the humans. Um, and you know, he also uses literal mind control, um, on humans. He wants to enslave all the humans because the humans 
want to destroy all the mutes, which is most of them do. It seems yeah. that yeah. they'd be perfectly happy with that, and that's the plot of season three that we haven't gotten to yet. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. I just I was expecting there to be more of like a direct confrontation between the idea of look. You know, we should be rebuilding society, and rebuilding society means rebuilding some kind of hierarchy uh, versus, you know, Kipo, who's like, can't we all just get along? We don't need a (laughs) government. We don't need a king or a ruler. We can all just decide amongst ourselves how to be kind to one another and share resources. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, that's what the rats do. Yeah. The rats have a free theme park that, like, the price of admission is just, like, spray cheese. <laughs> which, I don't know, that might be, like, rare as gold in this world, but, like... But still. I don't know. They, they don't, they're not racist against humans, you know? They're fine. <laughs> they're just capitalists. No, they're, they're like, not. They're not hoarding cheese. They just eat the cheese, and they say, all right, you want to go hang out in our fun peace land? This will be great. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. I mean, they gotta eat, you know. The show likes cheese a lot. There's so you know, so Kipo uh, cheese jokes. Kipo, you know, can turn into this jaguar, but we find out that if she turns into the mega mute, the mega jaguar, that she could be stuck like that forever and lose control. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a classic, you know, power limiter. If yeah. you use this power too much, you'll be corrupted. Right. You know what have it's, you. It's Naruto. I mean, there's literally a scene where she's inside of her own mind, and there's water on the ground, and there's a big giant tiger or leopard, you know, looking Running. right at her in the yeah. face, and it's literally like a shot from Naruto. Where he's <laughs> staring down the nine-tailed fox. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's 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 definitely similar. Um, it's, it's not particularly original in that way, but I think it works, you know, as a conflict for the season. Yeah. I just, I find it's, it's, it's just because the, the power limiter on Dave to me is so much more fun, (laughs) which is just that he can do it, but only when the plot doesn't need him to do it. Right. (laughs) He unlocks his superpower. Right. It's only, he can only do it when it doesn't affect the plot. (laughs) Whenever he tries to use his power, it immediately fails. Yep. That's Dave. <laughs> Which is great. Yeah. Um, it's great. <laughs> you know, early in the season, we have her sort of find these, like, mentor figures, these, like, blind goat women um, who right. are very much like they the witches. Cheese. They They're worship the weird cheese. Sisters, yeah. They're the weird sisters. They're very Macbethian, but also very, um, you know, like the fates, the, the fates and, and what have you. Um, and uh, they, they teach her basically how to like do it in and Mr. out. Mr. Miyagi style. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very Mr. In Mr. Miyagi style, she they they're like Kipo make the cheese, and then when she <laughs> makes the cheese, she can control her powers almost perfectly. Except she needs to find an anchor. Yeah. Which is, I mean, I've never seen because usually like the anchor is like a trope. Yeah. But I mean, it's in almost everything. But it's usually like not spelled out so literally in the <laughs> narration that she yeah. literally is like, oh, I need to go learn more about my past before I can go fight this battle it's 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 almost like an rpg you know like you yes. have to resolve your character arc first <laughs> and then by going have on the this boss quest fight. and then you can fight the boss but it's I, I, it, it bothers me that it was so explicit but i mean it's a kid's show I mean, yeah that's that's 
it's more direct here, so I feel like kids can can latch on to the idea of like finding out more about Kipo's past. Right. Something like that. Yeah, no. I mean, it's very simple. It's very basic. um, But we go on some fun adventures. We also learn more about Wolf's past. Um, We see where where Wolf hung out um, after she was sort of betrayed by the Wolf clan uh, that was raising her for a while. And uh, she she lived in this like scorpion den hideout. Yeah. Um, And that's where she got her her. Uh, scorpion tail staff, yes. which she calls Stalky, yeah. oh, named after the Death Stalkers, yes. which are the names for the big scorpions. Yeah, they're pretty spooky. It's yeah, it's fun. Uh, you know, each episode kind of has its own little mini moral, but then on top of that, there is the overarching plot. Uh, yeah, I, I think it all kind of holds together cohesively. Uh, you know, I feel like everything makes sense. Except for, I was really bothered by the character Mulholland. Who's okay. named after Mulholland Drive, I think. David Lynch. He's a big water bear made out of a million tinier water bears <laughs> uh, who can, you know, control people's minds and put them in sort of lotus eater machines. Look it up. Uh <laughs> It's a trope where you see your greatest desire, right? Uh, and but it's a trap. It's a trap because uh, he Don't he feeds off it. brain energy. He doesn't yeah. kill you, but just, he does kind of have to keep you there. Yeah, and then you'll die eventually. Well, no, he, he could feed you, but you know, you just would never accomplish what you wanted to accomplish in life. Right, right. You'd just be staying inside a fantasy. Yeah. So not as bad as some other Lotus Eater machines, uh, but. You know, not great. Still, but Kipo like convinces him to be a good guy and yeah. fight on their side. But his only power is like mind control, right? And that's also the villain's power. Yeah. So Mulholland can just go into everybody's head and stop them from being mind controlled, basically. I mean, I don't know. I I don't think that would work, right? He but would he does just, it. Is that what he does? Yeah, he goes inside of uh, Kipo's mom's brain and is like, I've counteracted the pheromones that Scarlemagne was using to control you. Ah, let's do uh, that. And it's just, it's it's a lot. And then I think that's also how they defeat Scarlemagne himself. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot of defeating the major bad guys by just mind controlling them. And if yeah. you're establishing that that was a very evil thing to do... It's weird to partner up with Mulholland. I, yeah. It bothers me. I, I would agree. It's a little bit weird. Um, but, you know, th- this season also introduces the big bad for the next season and sort of the woman who's low-key behind, um, like, what happened to Kipo's family and to uh, Hugo or Scarlemagne himself, Dr. Amelia. Um, she's bad. She she She's wants she wants to make all the mutes normal and animal like again and rob them of sentience, which uh, that sucks. She's a bad guy. It's yeah. I mean, it's she's the we got to go back. We got to make Earth great again. Yeah, you know, make make Earth to moving, human again. Right, as opposed to moving things forward. Right, and you know, reaching a new level of cooperation. 
So I think, you know, when we're talking about all these post-apocalyptic shows, I kind of alluded to this earlier, but I, I think we're kind of teaching kids to see everything in our society as it exists now as kind of temporary, as non-essential to being. Hmm. Right? Do you feel that way? Maybe. I, I don't know. Yes? I mean, what else are we supposed to take away from, like, a show like Adventure Time or a show, you know, like uh, Avatar The Last Airbender, where the whole thing takes place after Doomsday, and yet everyone's pretty much chill, and actually the world is, like, way cooler than the world that we're in right now, <laughs> and there's better representation in yeah. that world than in our world? <laughs> Uh, it, it kind of, it kind of, in a way, it, it it's the fantasy of society ending rather than the horror of it. Right, right. I I would agree with that. Um, I mean, I think it. We're also starting to get though into I I think tricky territory just because the the gap between when Adventure Time came out and not that it isn't still popular, but like six year olds today aren't gonna grow up on Adventure Time the same way that like people of our generation or just a little like Gen Z did, you know, like but they might grow up on Kipo and they might grow up on Shira. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I also talked about Avatar. I mean, these right. shows, yeah, they're like five, ten years apart, but they didn't exist. Always. Right. There wasn't always That's a show true. for kids about the world after the world ends. Yeah. The world after the empire takes over. The world after the uh, empire falls and mm-hmm. chaos takes over. Yeah. The world after everyone is mutated. <laughs> right. Um, I mean... We, that just, didn't exist always. I, I think it's interesting because dystopian fiction saw its big rise in the early 2000s, at least in, like, young adult fiction. Um, right. And I think... I, part, probably as a result of the failed promise of the new millennium. Right, right. Um, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm less familiar with dystopian fiction for um, adults. Like, I, I've read some, but I, I'm less familiar with the, the trends around that. Um, but I think, you know, definitely starting with Avatar and, you know, the slew of shows that were inspired by that um, or that, you know, took, took notice of what it could do and got away with doing um, – you know, between Avatar... People feels much more inspired to me by, like, you know, the Divergent-type series, like, you know, uh, <laughs> novels about about post-apocalypse than, than, like, the likes of Avatar or, or Adventure Time. Even Adventure Time? Really? Interesting. Okay. I, I, I think so. I mean, I think, you know, the very special girl who has a secret hidden power, but she doesn't know something about her past... And she's released into a dangerous world, but immediately makes a couple of key friends and they learn to survive. I mean, that's very Hunger Games. It's very That's very middle grade. Yeah. Very middle grade, very YA. And it's weird to me that all of those novels were adapted as opposed to into animated television shows for kids, which seems like a natural fit. They were all adapted into gritty, edgy uh, teenager movie things. Well... So, you know, I think it is only now becoming more and more common for American teens to still be really into animation into their teens. Um, you know, like it's it's something that has become more acceptable as nerd culture has sort of become more and more mainstream and as mm-hmm. anime has started to proliferate and sort of show the West that 
um, there that cartoons don't just mean for children or comedy that you can have deep emotional interesting storytelling happening um, in animated form so right, you know I, I understand the impulse to make these things live action um, TV right. shows they make more money yeah so. they make they make more money. <laughs> Um, to make them into um, movies, you, like you're just gonna right. make more, um, and it's a safe but, bet uh, for a movie industry that's looking for safe bets. Generally, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I just, I do want to just point out that I think Kipo is like a great show for kids. Oh, totally. Uh, I think like more than any of the other like animated shows that we've talked about. Even um, I feel like you know there are some weird problematic things in Shira dealing with, you know, abusive relationships and it's all very adult stuff that's being sort of squeezed into a kid show. Yeah. This is like a very hopeful, optimistic kid show. Yeah. To make you feel better at this time. <laughs> right. Um, and it does make me feel better totally. to watch it. Uh, Absolutely. But I but I, I I just I think it's something to think about the, comparing this to YA fiction, yeah, uh, or middle grade fiction, uh, dystopian fiction, yeah, uh, dystopian fiction for kids. I I think it right. it definitely resonates with uh, that genre of storytelling, for sure. Um, but I th- I think also another reason that that genre is popular in literature to begin with is because it's so much easier. You don't have to deal with parents. You don't have to deal with any of the restrictions that would normally keep these kids not uh, being able to go on these adventures to begin with. Like, like it is right. just a good adventure land for them to play in. Um, yeah, totally agree. Yeah. Um, I, I think in conclusion, check this show out. Yeah. Uh, what Wait, do you have to lose? Hold on. Wait, before we do in conclusion, David, we didn't talk yes. about the big twist, the biggest reveal of all. I missed it. What was it? The Kipo's mom's the monkey. Right. She's the Kipo's monkey. Kipo's mom's the monkey. But I don't know how she figures that out just by looking at a photograph and being like, her fur is brown. <laughs> Therefore, she is the giant monkey that I talked to. Well, because her dad said that your mom got stuck as a megamute. And she was like, that megamute seems well, smarter than all those other megamutes. Like, there were some clues. I don't know. They I don't know. It seemed pretty telegraphed I feel like most of it was just sort of suggested by, you know, the Kuleshov effect, basically. Like, it was, we see a picture of her mom with fur, and then we cut to the Megamute monkey, and then we cut back to Kibo going, I don't know. <gasps> I... <laughs> I feel like I, I I saw them telegraphing this pretty early on in the season. I, I didn't think it was like... I mean, I knew they were friends. I, just, <laughs> I didn't... I thought that they were going to, you know, twist on us with her mom and that they were going to hold off on revealing that information maybe for a couple more seasons. seasons. No, the monkeys, her mom, is a wild Or at twist. least a couple more episodes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There is a giant monkey that she sort of befriends uh, in season one that is being controlled by uh, Scarlemagne's right. Hormones. I mean, I thought it was so a much more interesting twist that it wasn't actually Scarlemagne's uh, neck neck collar. Yeah, it was it was actually uh, Doctor Amelia's using Scarlemagne's pheromones. So we yeah, just, you know, 
That was a good twist. I like that. That one. was a good twist. Uh, it was also a good twist that uh, Benson's boyfriend's dad is cool. Yeah, he's real cool. That was a good twist. Was it a twist? It was like fun. I don't know if I call it a <laughs> twist. I don't know. Um, uh, anything yeah. else? Well, the season ends with with Kipo and her pals defeating Scarlemagne, freeing the animals. No one has to be part of the uh, mute empire if they don't want to be. Um, there's some more fun songs, and then Doctor Amelia takes a bunch of the freed humans and is like, "We gotta get those dirty mutes," and that's our uh, right. that's our lead into season three. So we'll get see. your hands off me, you damn dirty ape! <laughs> we'll we'll see where yeah. that goes. Uh, I want to see Planet of the Apes animated TV show. Yes, with tons of queer representation. Yes, and you know. I want it to be good. That's Kipo. You got it. You you yeah. described it. It's perfect. Uh, all right. Yeah. Check out this show. I, what do you have to lose? I yeah. mean, if nothing else, the animation is more beautiful than anything else on Netflix it right now. It really is. It's stellar. And the music is. It slaps. It, it just is. absolutely slaps. It does. You're gonna um, you're gonna download it or favorite it on whatever music streaming or or what have you service that you on currently whatever use. or what have you. It's it's fantastic. You will not stop playing it for at least a week after you watch this show. It's guaranteed. <laughs> Talking tropes guaranteed. guaranteed. Um, all, all right. right. <laughs> well, we've been uh, we've been chugging along pretty consistently for a while now. We hit that 100 episode landmark, Woo-hoo! and uh, we're feeling a little burnt out. So while we are coming up with uh, a new recap series, uh, we were going to take a brief little hiatus. Yeah. Um, so you know, tweet at us at Talking Tropes if you you know have a specific trope idea in mind because. From here on out, everything's going to be fresh. Everything's going to be new. It's not pre-recorded. It's not pre-planned. Nope. From when you're hearing this. So <laughs> let us know what you're interested in, what you've liked from the past hundred episodes we've done. Yeah, or uh, tell us what you see. hated. Tell us what we should never, right. ever do again. We, we are actually open. really good at, at taking criticism, uh, you know. Uh, we love so it. So just tell us. Tell us exactly what you want, and we are, you know, we are under the influence of your pheromones. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. We will do, we will do whatever you say. Um, <laughs> so, uh. so yeah. Um, hopefully, there will be some kind of poll up at some point yeah. um, with some some options for you guys. But you know, any suggestions are 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 welcome. Yeah, like, comment, subscribe, stick a st- stick your suggestions wherever you want. We, we're consenting to uh, comment sticking. <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, you guys are great. Check out Kifo, and uh, we'll see you next time in a bit. See Bye. ya. Bye. Bye.